so I hadn't decided whether or not to split these two recordings into a single episode or whether to stitch them together into the length that Kyle and I have been hoping to have our episodes at. I hope you enjoy uh, these two mini episodes stitched together. Oh, seriously? Well, that's a good half hour podcast. Oh, no. That was like 20 minutes. That's lame. Oh. Nobody has more technical difficulties than me. Do you have the uh, the notes open? I do have the notes open to your favorite word. My favorite word. I mean, we could just start right here because I know that you're on a like actual time crunch. Potentially. What do you mean potentially? Oh, I mean probably. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's consider that I am on an actual time crunch. Yeah. I mean, you can always watch it later. You know he'll publish that. Yeah. The video conference or whatever later for people to... You won't be able to ask live questions, though. Yeah. So, pretentious. Yeah, we can talk about pretentious. I was... I'm trying to think through when I realized... So, pretentious is my favorite word. And the reason is, is when you say pretentious, you sound pretentious. Because those kinds of words, words with I-O-U-S and, like, basically Greek roots sound hoity-toity or there's another anyway and that's what that word means right highfalutin i don't know who taught me that word supercilious supercilious what does that mean the same thing Hmm. okay i didn't do all the homework i didn't watch your stanford business review video oh that's fine i as as we already discussed this is the first time i'm looking at the notes so i obviously didn't watch the or listen to the Roger Federer thing on Hello Internet. I'm familiar with the golden white dress though. The golden white dress, I mean, we can, might as well jump into it. Hello Internet talked about like okay, actually, let me just ask you the question. What color are tennis balls? I would say yellow. Roger Federer during some kind of like post-game conference or something was shouted at or you know how uh, reporters can kind of just like yell questions or whatever. Somebody was there mm-hmm. who was a listener of Hello Internet and just yelled, are tennis balls green or yellow? And he was like, you know, you, you're probably, as somebody who's done a fair amount of those kinds of conferences, you're probably expecting to hear a certain kind of question, and that's probably not it. Right. And so he paused and, uh, and said, well, they're yellow, aren't they? I think those were his. Either his exact words or something really close. Mm-hmm. And much like the golden white dress, which I think was 2014, this was a couple years later, some people saw it as yellow and some people saw it as green. Interesting. And I will say that I can see how a tennis ball that is a little bit older looks very green. Mm-hmm. New ones, though, definitely look yellow to me. Right. But I know somebody who i'm gonna try not to use names now who basically sees them as green no she says that she can see them as yellow mm-hmm. why somebody might think that they're yellow but to her they look green and that's just kind of inter- interesting the pronoun you use there is interesting because i know at hp our color science team is by and large women 
And part of that comes back to how, while men are wired to have receptors in their eyes that trigger more on motion, women are wired to have receptors in their eyes that trigger more on color. So Mm -hmm. if you're... They have more cones than men. Right, right. In their eyes. So if you're hiring for a position that requires high sensitivity to color, it it makes a lot of sense to, to focus your hiring efforts on women, especially women who have those cones that can accurately perceive colors at ends of the spectrum that men just... I mean, it's a statistical distribution, but... I mean, there's kind of a trope of, like, you know, men are like... I don't know, there's like six colors, and women are like, well, there's like a thousand colors. Like, my wife will be able to differentiate between... We had, we were trying to pick a, a white for our walls. Mm-hmm. And she's like, this one is a little more blue. This one is a little more gray. This one is a little more yellow. I'm like, they're all kind of white, though. She's mm-hmm. like, yeah, they're different shades of white. Right. And and vision, the other thing about vision is it's not just science. It's also psychology. Sure. Well, and then, of course, we had to look at them in sunlight and, the, you know, the lights that are in our living room. And they all change a little bit based on the light that is kind of projected onto them. So... Yeah, I, yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. My wife definitely cares more about color, or and 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 can perceive color better than I can. Do you think it'd be fair to say that we care about, or are more likely to care about things we're sensitive to? Sure. Let me think. Let me think through that. Can you give me? I mean, so color would be an example. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So something that you're like skilled in that you can see past the surface level, then you can you can essentially you're able to care more about it. Mm-hmm. What would be uh, like another example besides color that you can think of? Or is there something you're thinking of? What you described there opens up a lot of different uh, examples. One from The Last Dance is just how Michael Jordan, if he's watching a basketball game, will zero in on what's happening in the game in a way that other people won't... That's why for, for broadcasters, they, they like to hire people who have been players, have been very good players, because the very good players often will be very good because of their sensitivity to the flow of the game. Pat McPhee, in his, who's, who is an Indianapolis Colts punter and kicker, he was talking about in one of his shows about how Troy Polamalu, the the Steelers linebacker was, or safety, was just had this uncanny ability to read what was happening on the field, almost like a great poker player, and hmm. be in the right place at the right time when it wasn't something that had been on film or anything like that. It was just he had a sense of what was going to happen, which is part of what made him so great as a player. Speaking of sensitivity and caring about things, you know that as far as sports go, like I understood very few of the things you just said. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I got, I got the gist of it. I just didn't. Right. Some of the nuances, that's not a level that you and I can really go very deep on. Right, right. Happy to listen, though. 
So what would be something that you would go go in deep on? To talk about with you? I mean, you write literature. Yeah. I don't know if what I write is literature. I do write stories. Maybe once it's published and I get critiqued by somebody, we can call it literature. Okay. What could I go deep on? I mean, I was thinking in my work life, mm-hmm. I have strong opinions about how Excel workbooks should be organized. And I know that, I don't know if you can go deep on that, but I know that that will appeal to of just maybe 10 other people. I'm actually curious to hear your thoughts on how Excel workbooks should be organized. Organizing files is something that I always think about and think that there is a ideal way, but I haven't necessarily come across something. Are you talking about the, the naming convention? No, not talking about the naming convention. I, the naming convention only really matters if you are saving... It, 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 there's a few instances that it matters for most people personally. It doesn't make a bit of difference. And if they're 99% of people make workbooks, new Excel workbooks for work and which the naming convention is already established. But as far as the like actual, so like I'm talking about cells and like your, when you have data, like what do you do with it in order to organize it and make it easy to read? Okay. And, and part of that is because it seems to me now, if anybody is listening who disagrees, I would be really happy to have a, a long conversation about this, I think. Daniel's very sensitive to this. I'm very sensitive. <laughs> Excel thinks vertically. So it's better to go to row. It's like better to have unique identifiers in the row row one. And then so you've got, you know, you've got the date in column a you've got the you know and you have like even a title in column a and then you've got a the name in column b and you've got test scores in column c and then you you organize that down so if you have a hundred names you're not saying you know in row one column it would probably actually be column two but you wouldn't say steve james Mm -hmm. francis like what i don't know i'm just coming up with names i don't know whenever i think of names i think of like names from the 1950s or names that were popular then and then you and then you're like test score in row two and your date in row three right except like you can force like you it's just an entirely different set of like v lookup is way more common than h lookup mm-hmm. uh, which are two different functions yeah functions in excel and Again, I think this matters to very few people. I'm glad you're interested in it a little bit. Well, I'm curious, is there a time difference between VLOOKUP and HLOOKUP? Uh, not for the size of data that I use. I don't think that I'd have to actually look into it because I use HLOOKUP so infrequently. I don't know that it's as powerful or as easy to use okay. as VLOOKUP. Also, like scroll wheels on your mouse are not designed to go horizontally. Mm-hmm. The other thing that's jumping out at me just looking at the computer screen is what's the aspect ratio on the screen or, or how is the screen set up? It's set up so that you can put in data in a single row in multiple columns. And so you can read multiple columns easily, but you can't necessarily read multiple rows easily. So the mm-hmm. high value information you want to be spanning the columns instead of going down the rows yeah and you know even like the default you know the default is kind of the way that everybody does it or you know mostly should do it mm-hmm. uh, there's a good quote about you know the way that you set things to default like 
80 to 90 percent of the people or i don't know what the percentage is basically never change the default Mm -hmm. and in default enter goes to the next row not to the next column so when they were designing excel they and the intention was for data to go vertically not horizontally i think you can you can change it. But that's interesting because the carriage return, which enters sort of based off of, also went down mm-hmm. to the next row, sure. not to the next column. Like on a typewriter? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, and maybe that wasn't even, uh, nobody even really discussed it. They just, enter has always said, go down a row. Yeah. And so they just they just kept that. And Bill Gates was like, yeah, that seems fine. I do think, I have, I really do think that Excel is probably Microsoft's best product. Well, before Excel, you had Lotus, right? And I think Excel largely just borrowed from what Lotus already did. I mean, most of Microsoft's stuff is not necessarily stuff Microsoft came up with. It's stuff Microsoft packaged and marketed better than anyone else. That's fine. Of Microsoft, Word, of Outlook, of Excel, PowerPoint, Excel is by far the best. Oh, yes. In my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's true. Another product that Microsoft does really well is their uh, Visual Studio software development tool, but not as not as many people use that. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to talk about notes from... I, I wrote a few notes down from last episode. You said you and your wife listened to it and, and you guys had some... You had some thoughts. You want to go through some of those? We can go through yours first. Sure. I mean, your first, your, your first bullet point there of... Uh, are are you mean to Kyle? Yeah. Both of us thought that was sort of a funny bullet point because we didn't get that get that sense. I mean, we talked about this a little bit. Do you do you get that sense uh, outside of the podcast, Kyle? No. Okay, that's good. I think it'd be difficult to spend very much time with with someone who you thought was mean to you, or that'd be a yeah. really weird relationship. It sure would. Anyway, you were you were continuing on. I think. Oh, I was just saying that uh i mean we naturally in conversation you'll you'll start to talk over someone you'll have something you want to say and then the other person is going Mm -hmm. a different direction and so we both did that a little bit but that's the closest thing i could think of to being mean or or bullying but yeah i don't know that i was bullying you yeah that's good i'm glad you didn't feel like i was bullying you but the there were a uh maybe only two or three times but you didn't you didn't joke this way and I did and I just kind of I just poked at you. Uh-huh. And uh and instead of responding in kind you just kind of were quiet and that was like oh that's not very nice. Like that was what I thought as I as I listened to it. Like mm, yeah, probably at least 3 times plus or minus 2. How's that? Interesting. Yeah. I'll see if I can get you a um specific like timestamp once I give it another listen to and take out all of my ums and i think there was one time where i made a funny noise because i said the same thing wrong a couple of times and uh i was trying to reset and uh it's probably not very nice to listen to okay so you're gonna go ahead and take that out and then send it over to me and then i can take out more stuff yeah if it needs at the end it's only gonna be like five minutes i think it'll be a little bit longer than that (laughs) just whittle it down i did come across a podcast recently that was that is capped at nine minutes long it's a what podcast is that it's a product by design so it's podcast by an engineer for engineers and the, the guy's tagline is it's it's six questions in nine minutes because product designers are busy 
or something like that. Mm. That would be easier to record than a meandering discussion of intellectual topics. Big people discussing little things. Wait, no, little thing. Little people discussing big things. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting because he reached out to me on LinkedIn and said, "Hey, do you want to be on this podcast?" And so I, then I looked it up and went, "Sure." That's fun. Is he in the Portland area or? He's in Philadelphia. Okay, so that's no. So it'll be a Zoom thing. How did he find you? I think just he just looked through LinkedIn for people who had product design in their job description. That's interesting. Is it a? Do you know if it's a very popular podcast or? I doubt it. I think it's 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 mostly an addendum to his main work, which is um, a website called Creative Mechanisms, and he's his team does consulting work for various firms to help them kind of come up with good ideas for designs and that sort of thing. And then the podcast is sort of like a way of marketing that. Hmm. Are you going to use this podcast to market things for yourself? I could see doing that. I think that's a yeah. valuable way to leverage leverage the time. Sure. Any other notes that you and your wife talked about? One of the things was she really enjoyed how I think you brought up the book Tactics and then we discussed well I haven't read the book I've talked to people like you and a couple other people who have who have read the book and so I have a sense of what they kind of talk about and and then we applied it to a situation in our own lives where we were trying to just understand how to interact with some people and so she enjoyed how we went through and directly applied the book to to our lives so it wasn't just something she could get by reading the book because reading the book you you get kind of the book's take on or prescription for things and then maybe some applications by the author but then she got to hear us go through applications that were outside of what the author may have thought of, which helped spark mm-hmm. thoughts for her. So that was something yeah. she enjoyed. I think it's helpful to watch somebody read something you know that is prescriptive and then kind of stumble their way forward. And with a podcast, you get the you kind of get the option to do that. Or, you know, if somebody is doing that, then you can kind of watch them apply and fail and try again and figure it out. Right. Yeah. And I I have the book. If you want to be reading us, you know, a a second book, you're probably reading more than just the book for our our book group. Yeah. I'm in the middle of a number of different books at various stages. The the book I really Mm -hmm. want to buzz through in the next few weeks or buzz through at some point in the next few weeks, it won't take a few weeks, is The Effective Executive by Peter Drucker. Because I think anytime you make sort of a transition, whether that be a year or a career job, that sort of thing, that book is so helpful for for dialing in uh, how to think about time and our use of time and just like it says, being effective with our time instead of being busy. Mm. Yeah, I've been, I've been thinking about that idea, busy versus effective versus efficient, you know, that kind of... Right, right. There is a, just trying to think of how to say it, there is a way in which you are, you show value by being busy, mm-hmm. or it's like a, in, is, it, is the right word index? Or it's a, you know, where you show that you support a specific cause by liking them on Facebook or whatever. And 
you're really not doing anything. You're just, it's like a pro- oh, proxy. That's the word I was looking for. Okay. So by being busy, it's a proxy for effective or efficient mm-hmm. or I'm valuable when really being busy is just shows that you're busy and you don't like you have, you think that you have too much to do and maybe it's just because you're not prioritizing correctly. Right. That's something that I really struggle with at work. So we're working on a, on a school Mm -hmm. and everything has to be done by basically August 7th. Right. Um, Teachers are moving in on the 10th and from when we're recording this, that's I think 10 weeks from today is the 10th. I could Google it, but it would take all the CPU of my computer. <laughs> and there's just a lot to do. And so I basically spent all day yesterday and the day before, like, I've got to get these 15 things done. Most of them don't take very long, but I got interrupted so constantly with new issues or things kind of going on that at the end of the yesterday, I didn't get those, like, what I felt were core things done. And so tonight, after cutting concrete for probably five hours and moving it around, I'm going to log on to my work computer and finish out what I didn't finish yesterday or Thursday. Right. In an effort to take a full day off tomorrow. Good deal. Yeah. Something I noticed when I was... Did you have any other notes from uh, our last... Those are the Those are the things that are coming to my mind at this point, like... Like I've said before, I need to go back through and re-listen to it. And uh, So you have listened to it once though, right? No. So your wife just listened to it by herself? Yes. Well, I'm curious to what you think when you listen to your voice. Oh, I've listened, I've listened to it enough that, like, I listened to it enough when I was cropping the ends of it that I was, yeah, able to get a sense for how things sounded, but I didn't necessarily listen to it all the way through my voice is so much higher pitch than i thought it was i actually told my wife i don't know how she has stood listening to it this long <laughs> that's a really funny conversation to have with your wife it was because i've well i've never i've never thought about really how my voice sounds i just try to you know i just talk i guess it got i got you more used to it as i listened to because i think the the raw cut is like an hour and 10 minutes or thereabouts and once things kind of got picked up in the middle i don't know if my voice wasn't warmed up enough at the beginning or something along those those lines the last note that i had was that i say um a lot and i'm gonna try to cut that out of the the recording or at least you know half of them right and you don't say um at all or almost at all instead you just pause yep is it how did you do that is that something that you have I've, been mindful of I've worked or on that practiced? Been mindful of it. I had a sixth grade teacher who actually um, encouraged us. There, I just did it. Encouraged us to to get rid of like and um from our vocabulary. Like is more difficult because there are appropriate uses for it. True. True. There are never appropriate uses for um, except at the beginning of words and maybe at the end. Right. I think you'll actually find that a Stanford Business Review talk on how to talk to be helpful for this this topic. It is pretty long, but there are some, some fun things he gets in there along the lines of, for example, you were talking about warming up the voice. So one of the things he likes to do is 
he'll say tongue twisters at the start of, or before he goes and gives any talk. And he says he does that for two reasons. One, it, it warms up his voice. But the other thing is because it's a tongue twister and he jokes that it, it has a naughty word in it if you say it wrong. So he gets very focused on what he's saying. And that, mm. that focus is what's part of one of the key ingredients for giving a good talk is being totally present, being totally focused. So that's why he likes to... Does that mean I should stop playing Angry Birds right now? I'm <laughs> just kidding. Does anyone play um, Angry Birds anymore? Candy Crush? I don't know. Whatever the kids are playing these days. I don't, my in-laws, my brother and sister-in-law, were talking about some new social media that they're on, and I, I'm just kind of glad to be out of that completely at this point. I guess part of me is curious as to what void the new social media is filling. Is it uh, I think people are tired of Facebook because Mark Zuckerberg seems kind of like a mad scientist. Uh-huh. And... So it's a true, like, social network. It's not a platform like TikTok for videos or Instagram for photos or Snapchat for photo communication. To be totally honest, I've got no idea. They were talking about it, and I just kind of zoned out, and I'm becoming more like... Uh, you weren't present. I wasn't present. Well, no, I just switched conversations to my father-in-law because him and I agree about certain things and uh, because we basically both don't aren't involved in whatever the kids are doing these days then we I don't know that's just a way that we connect I guess that reminds me of our conversation about sensitivity all over again yeah it sounds like oh sure you're sensitive to the same things your father-in-law is sensitive to while you're not as sensitive to things like which social media is hot right now Honestly, I think the reason that so- social media will keep switching is because kids or young adults want to be able to talk freely with their friends, and if their parents are on it, they don't feel as much freedom to do so. Uh, Facebook has become, I think, a way to stay connected with extended like coworkers and family and acquaintances. Mm-hmm. And you can't as freely express your opinions, especially when like employers pretty readily use Facebook to see if you are speaking the right language to not be offensive in our culture. Uh, and or because a good fit it's for their culture. Or a good fit for their culture, sure. Um yeah. So when you can't express yourself as freely, you're going to maybe look for a place that you are able to express yourself more freely. Right. But but it's still during, via an online platform, which gets rid of the human element, which miscommunication and misunderstanding. Sure, if you want to have deeper discussions. I don't think that people often try to use social media, and maybe this is because I am as out of it as I am, but... They don't try to have conversations necessarily to change minds on social media. I think they try to show what they believe. It's almost like bumper stickers. I think there are some Facebook groups or probably Reddit Reddit boards where people do have legitimate conversations. Fatal error. Nothing just happened. I'm just... Nobody has more technical difficulties than me. Except in Excel. That's not true. <laughs> uh, you you started with a question. We can try that question again. 
Yeah, I was, I was going to ask you uh, how you're doing, and then you mentioned having technical difficulties, so I assumed something must have gone awry. That's a fair assumption. That first 18 seconds of recording is going to be uh, pretty quiet. I just realized my mic had been a little far from my face, so it'll be good from, from here on out. Okay, sounds good. Um, yeah, technical, t- technical difficulties, man. It's the name of today. And last time. Because we, uh, we tried recording, a, we got about a 30-minute uh, mini-episode in, and then I got the blue screen of death. And then I didn't know anything about GarageBand. And apparently, the default is to record eight bars. Which is a very, very short podcast. One of the shortest, I would say. I've never downloaded a podcast that was for... Uh, is a bar a second? Is a bar a half a second? Does it depend? You'd have to ask someone else. <laughs> okay. Well, maybe I'll ask my bride. There you go. Uh, she might know. Yours, yours might as well. Yep. Um, speaking of counting in and, you know, different things, I, you haven't by chance reached out to that person I asked you to related to... Uh, no, I haven't. Um, that's okay. Can you send me their name? I can tell it to you. And you can bleep it out or I can I can send it to you. Well, if, if you can text me the name, then I'm more likely to remember who to look for. Because I remember it was a specific name and identifier on Facebook. And he goes by um, Alan Keys, uh, 86, I think. Okay. Um, he's, he's from the UK. I just realized there's no reason to hide his name. If we can, if we can grab his, you know, his ear for a minute, then that would be pretty cool. Uh, and he's not like wildly popular or anything. He just has done he's just i don't know he's just a very good composer uh, did you listen to did you re-listen to like the beginning of uh maybe one of the first couple episodes of hello internet where they've got the the different music pieces or no i haven't so when i look for alan keys i get like you know alan wrench Keys. Uh, you might be spelling it wrong a-l-a-n and i would type in alan keys 86 as one word a little bit of Alan Keys 86 right there. That's a little Alan Keys 86 right there. That's like his, that's what's on his front page at YouTube, yeah? Yep. Yeah, yeah it's pretty good. Anyway, I like it. I don't know if we can, <laughs> I don't know if we can play that, Kyle. Maybe we can. I don't think Alan would mind. Um, his actual name is, uh, his last name is not Keys. Uh. I'll just say that. <laughs> but I wouldn't be terribly surprised if he was born in 1986. I've got no way to confirm or, you know refute that anyway your wife had suggested the well she really enjoyed how we went through the the book tactics and um uh, just applied that to situations in our lives and and so in her mind it was it was helpful to get an applied book review where it wasn't just kind of a cliff notes version of what the book covered and it wasn't just a book summary but instead it was here are people that that she can identify with and how they're applying content that they've consumed to produce a ideally an improvement in in the results in their life which is very attractive to me to be able to take content i'm consuming and then turn it into something that both is active and and beneficial to my actual life and then 
be able to talk about that on on a on a forum like this podcast and ideally help other people with that so as i've been reading lord of the rings that would be harder to apply yeah or no um i think i think it really depends because i think that's one of the uh the, the benefits of going through that book multiple times is, is you do start to see um aspects of of the characters and and their character and situations that you can map to events in your own life and and see how the characters process them and based off of if you view the character as honorable or dishonorable or view the character as doing well or poorly in that situation you can then mm-hmm. learn from that to how you yeah, process events in your own life yeah yeah i will say that uh yeah it's been it's been really interesting i'm i would say about halfway through the fellowship of the ring so I'm yeah not, i'm not going at a, a very fast pace but i do not remember the the tree eating any of the hobbits and then tom bombadil coming along and saving them i did like tom bombadil yeah tom bombadil is a pretty fun character he's a very fun character and he is as mysterious at least maybe more than gandalf yep and just given who he is and apparently how long he's been around he's been around for a long long time Mm -hmm. yeah no there was a lot of really interesting you know as i uh write in somewhat the same genre not not nearly to the level that um tolkien does uh it's just like i wonder how could i have a character like this or could is that a you know i do have actually there's a a story that i've been working on for a long time one character who's anyway neither here nor there it's just an interesting uh it's like what could you do with that how could i play with it Uh, here's a toy i had never considered Uh how could i play with this? right so yeah no that's uh that's good Uh, that's good feedback Oh, I didn't tell you. David B. Yeah. Suggested about a month ago, a little longer, chip drop, which is where they, you know, if you're, if you have need of wood chips, they'll, they'll just drop it off in front of your house. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's great. You don't get to decide how much. They dropped off 15 cubic yards in front of my house on Thursday night. Wow. Yeah. This is free? David's coming. It's free. Yeah, it's free. I worked until, so I got home at four. 4.30, something like that, and uh, worked until about 9.30, just shoveling, 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 shoveling. Yeah. And, you know, we've got some some different flower beds to use it on, and that's fine. And where it's actually, it's going to be really helpful for, like, a lot of things, but not 15 cubic yards of things. We don't have need of that much. David's coming over to pick some up, which is fine. So here's a really uh, random question. Yeah. Could you use it as... If you dug out your kind of foundation area for the patio more, could you use that as a base layer that'd be compacted, or would that that might be a really bad idea because dirt's going to actually be yeah. So that that'll that'll basically uh, that would that's not a good idea. Yeah. I think. <laughs> the more I thought of the, as I spoke, I thought yeah, that's that's a really bad idea to put a really low density material between a medium density material and a high density material your uh, patio is going to sink down and disappear yeah yeah so no i've i've I purchased gravel for it for for that purpose because uh, it'll go it'll go dirt gravel right patio. and uh, yeah my and my bad idea that. was to go dirt park dust and then gravel 
And there's only it would only that would only take up about four cubic yards right. if I were to do Unless it. Unless you dug out a lot. Thick. But bark dust is a lot easier to shovel than dirt. That's for sure, man. Uh, that's for sure. Well, and the other thing is, is that I just finished shoveling out all that dirt, so now I've got four cubic yards of dirt sitting in another part of my lawn. I've got so much material, man. <laughs> I'm rich in material. Let's see what else. So, uh, this was an interesting idea. This is actually from a podcast a long time ago from Hello Internet, maybe a year ago. Okay. And the host basically asked the question, you know, if you're constantly getting inputs... You know, listening to podcasts, listening to music, listening to uh, watching TV. Even just talking to friends. Sure. Even talking to, well, talking to friends, I would, I would, there's conversation both ways. But if you're just receiving, Mm -hmm. if you're just receiving, how do you know what you think? Because if I recall, journaling is not a practice that you participate in on on a consistent basis. Correct. So that's an interesting, it's an interesting question that maybe is, is too deep for just like off the cuff, but something to consider anyway. What do you, I mean, do you have any, any initial thoughts on that? Well, my initial thought is, is when I do have something that I want to know what I think I'll journaling is something that I'll, I'll go to, to use as a tool to, to try and assess that. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't use it as much as I, I could for sure. And, mm-hmm. and at times I'll actually use conversation either like this, not generally recorded like this, but conversation like this or uh, email dialogue to, to try and hash out what I think about something. So it's, it's more of a um, communication with someone else as opposed to a communication with just me and on something. Yeah. So who do you, I'm just curious, who do you email? Or what, 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 what would be like, do you email your dad or your pastor or? Yeah. Both of those people are on the list and then, and then other people who I think who are kind of in my network, who I think have maybe thought about what I'm thinking about or trying to understand. Mm. Gotcha. So I sort of make a judgment call on, on who I know, who's, who has experience in something. So you might not ask your pastor about mechanical engineering. Right, right. That makes sense. And you might not ask your boss what he thinks about... Well, I'm trying to think of a... I might not ask you about GarageBand. Yeah. <laughs> was, see? There we go. Now we get some of the mean in both directions. There you go. It's this... Uh, no, that's that's good. Please don't ask me about GarageBand. I will, <laughs> I will firmly point you in the wrong direction and I'll be confident about it. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of the last point on that is, so Farnham Street is a blog. Right. Have you, did you take, did you take a look at it? I I did take a look at, especially the synoptical reading section. Yep. That's a, that's one of my favorite ones. Farnham Street is the, it's something related to Warren Buffett. I don't think it's where he lives. I think maybe his first, first headquarters was there or something like that. But they, they, some of the most well-written pieces that I've read, mm-hmm. like, and they, they offer some stuff for free and then you can get access to all of their content. There's quite a bit of stuff actually for free and it's very well-written and seems very helpful. And then you can pay, it's like 30 bucks a month or 20 bucks a month or something for full access. So it's like, they're not trying to, you know, they're not trying to have everybody 
be involved, but they they do know that what they're producing is valuable. Like they believe it's valuable, and and obviously there are other people who believe it's valuable as well. Mm-hmm. So on my back, I have actually considered being a part of, but I don't. I'm not a hundred percent. I have to figure out whether that value is is something that's that valuable to me. Right. Because that's it's not you know it's it's a sizable sizable chunk of change for me. And a sizable chunk of time to consume that much content. Well, yeah, I mean, you wouldn't have to. Yeah, you're right. But one one of the pieces that they wrote that I, I copied down related to the journaling is, you know, when you think about the word, or when you hear the word thinking, like, have you thought about it? I think it's only been really recently that I've considered that that actually means spending time journaling or talking and being in a safe enough you know if i'm talking with somebody else it it can't be somebody who's who has a hard time listening i guess is is just how i'm going to say that mm-hmm. and won't won't kind of hear very different opinions or if i say something that's off base they'll jump on me about it like it, they have to be a person who who will realize that i'm trying to figure out what i think about the thing or you have to not care that they are going to think down on you for not having fully vetted out yeah and there's a handful of people in my life where it's like unless i i'm just not going to bring up a topic unless it's it, you know very i know that i don't have an opinion and i can just ask questions uh but there's it's like i won't i just don't bring stuff like that up because i know that it doesn't they're not typically productive conversations uh, but this quote from Farnham Street is thinking about thinking means concentrating on one thing long enough to develop an idea about it, mm-hmm. which I really like because one friend that we have will listen to podcasts and then just and I've I am super guilty of this as well. Mm-hmm. Or you, you used to be more so hopefully a little bit less now where you listen to somebody who has thought about it 10 percent more than you and then just kind of parrot what they say. Yep. And, you know, if you, if you basically argue with them, this was my tactic. Oh, this isn't my opinion. I'm just saying it. And it's, you know, it's just really hard to have a, a productive conversation or really, you know, you haven't, you haven't spent the time concentrating on that idea in order to really have, you know, your own thought about it. And this actually also kind of relates back, this quote may be from that synoptical reading and uh, the different the different levels of reading, because I know I have not, by their definition, have not synoptically read about anything. Not even in school? Um, you didn't do any book reports about... Not book reports that involved a topic instead of a specific book. The synoptical reading, if I recall, was the was the was the level four is that right yeah i guess not a book report but more of a yeah topic report like like i think i did one on um stonewall jackson at one point in school i think 10th grade and then ninth grade i did one on the hundred years war can you tell me anything about the hundred years war now yeah so i mean do you want me to go into it or was that just a question about how much i retained can you spend 20 seconds telling me about the Hundred Years' War? Well, the, the short story is you had, you had kings in both uh, Britain and, and France who had claim to the French crown. And so 
the British king because of the Norman invasion. And so the British mm-hmm. kings would come over to France and try and assert their claim while mm-hmm. the French would do the same thing. And it went on uh, for about 100 years. And during that time, there was a significant, one of the more interesting things to me about it was there was a, a significant shift in technology. So at first you had the French with their mounted knights um, ran roughshod quite literally over the British invaders. And then the British developed the longbow meant that they could take take down all of these French knights that had spent their whole whole lives training to be a knight. And then a guy with a bow and arrow uh, and that's all could kill them from a long, kill multiple ones of them from a long distance. And so that gave the British the upper hand at um, Cressy and Poitiers. And that's where we get Shakespeare's Henry V was, was from mm-hmm. that era. And then the French went on to develop and use equipment like the crossbow and, and eventually uh, gunpowder. Fatal error. And that was where we cut off. Over the last two recordings, I was working through some technical difficulties, which hopefully are now solved. And although I'm not going to guarantee future recordings won't have cutoffs like that, at least they will be intentional. Thanks for bearing with us.